0: hey phil
1: hey Senda.
0: you want to talk about several short gming topics rather than one large topic
1: is this because i was traveling all last week
0: uh-huh time for another grab bag
1: To Pandas Talking Games. I'm your host that traveled all last week, Phil.
0: And I'm your other host who did not senda. <laughs> Is that where you were going with that?
1: Uh, sure. Or it could have been, I, I, the host that was staying at home. Was...
0: <sighs> all right. Uh, for tonight's topic, we are doing a grab bag episode because, as Phil mentioned, he was in three cities. In, what, like five days? Uh Uh-huh. Last week? It was a lot. He was in Denver, he was in Buffalo, and he was in Albany. And that can make it hard to work on a more in-depth show like we sometimes do. But as always, we wanted to make sure that we gave you your weekly fix of adorable pandas falling off of things and eating bamboo. So we broke out the grab bag. So, Phil, what is our first question?
1: The tabletop bellhop Mo Ding! Wants to know, what makes a good pregen?
0: Yeah. I mean, so firstly, just to, I'm going to define something really quickly, or at least outline the assumptions that we're making. So firstly, when we're talking about this question, we are making the assumption, because we're talking about pregens, that this is some sort of one-shot,
1: right? And even more so, this is probably a convention one-shot, Probably a convention
0: one-shot. So like, take all of these suggestions in that context, Right. Right. Good. So the first thing is to make make sure that the pregens make sense for the adventure that you're running. So if you know that you are running an aquatic adventure, don't create yourself a bunch of pre-generated characters that specialize in desert feats. Yeah. Like, just don't so, do that.
1: <laughs> so, here, so I think the danger is that sometimes people go get... Pre gens like yeah. off a website, yep. or like, you know, oh, the publisher made pre gens or something.
0: I'll right? just use these first edition adventure or first level adventures from the DD like starter set. It's yeah, fine.
1: But I think it's, I mean, it's more that danger that you just said, right? So, yes. like, you're writing the aquatic adventure, right? So you're like, cool, I'm going to make an aquatic adventure. And then you're like, well, I need pre gens, but I don't feel like making any pre gens. So I'm just going to grab the set off the site. But, like, they're geared for, like you said, desert adventuring, yeah, right? They're Dark Sun
0: uh, characters, and you're like... Right.
1: <laughs> and, and so now, like, the characters don't make sense for your story. Like, yes, you saved yourself time, but you've actually created a whole bunch of problems, right? Because they're not good fits for the story. Right. So, um, I actually prefer, whenever possible, to actually make characters... Like, actually, take the time and make the characters myself.
0: Right, because then they are tailored for the story that you are planning to tell. Right. They yes. have they have feats and skills and stuff or whatever for whatever game it is. They have the things that will make sense and they will actually use.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, even more so that, like, I'll know, like, oh, this thing's going to be coming up in the story. I'm going to make sure somebody has an ability, feat, whatever that kind of works with that.
0: Right. Which kind of actually just ties us right into the next point. Which is to create pregens that show off something interesting in the mechanics slash give people their little niche so that you don't just have a bunch of people can all do the same thing.
1: Yeah, I think this is... I actually think this is a um, a really... I think this is actually a much bigger deal in a one-shot oh, it than is. it is in a campaign game. Because in a one-shot, you are creating an experience for somebody. Yeah. So you want everybody who's playing to have... Um, a fun time and um, somewhat of a unique experience. So having characters that have niches and having niche protection goes a long way. Like if you're doing a Tales from the Loop game, like have only one kid who's the hacker.
0: Yeah, for reals. Because the other thing is, if you split that up or you don't have niche protection on those, then you have two people at your table who are fighting for time during that two or four hour slot to be able to actually take actions. And one of them ends up sitting out every time there's an action that they could take, right? So those two people only get half the experience each.
1: So let me give you an interesting example. I used to run a Savage Worlds game all for one to Régime Diabolique. So I used to run all for one in Savage Worlds particularly because I like the Savage Worlds rules just a little better than the Ubiquity one. And I I did a um, convention game one time. Now, when you talk about niche protection, right? They're all musketeers. Right. So what I wound up doing to make them unique was that I gave each one a slightly different fighting style. Right, right, right. But I noted it on the character sheet. Right. So like I I put it directly on the character sheet like you are the two weapon fighter. Right. Um you are the brutish fighter. You fight with a gun and a sword and like Yes. Like all of those, but this way, even though they were all playing musketeers, each musketeer was a little different.
0: Right. And you also made it really clear up front, like this is your lane. Does this lane sound like a fun lane for you to play in? cool, take this one. But once you take that one, stay in your lane.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I think that, I mean, it's important for two things. One, it's important from niche protection, but two, it was super easy when I needed to introduce the characters, Yeah, right? Because I was like, here's the two-weapon fighter. Here's the sword and pistol fighter. Here's the brute fighter. Like, yeah. I was able to just put them down without having to go into detail about them. And people were like, oh, two-weapon fighter, yoink. Like,
0: right, yeah. And those are archetypes that we know. From the Musketeers, right? We're like, okay, this is Porthos, this is Athos, you know.
1: Right. And I wasn't, and and since we weren't using them, I couldn't use those names. Right. You weren't using those
0: actual names, but you're using their archetypes. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So, yep, absolutely. What's our next tip?
0: Keep things simple and not too complex, right? Because you don't actually have a lot of time. And uh, people have to absorb a bunch of information, and then they have to be able to take that information and actually play it out at the table. So, if you give them three pages of backstory, not only will they, A, probably not actually have the chance to truly read it, they'll kind of skim it, B, there's no way they're going to remember it all to actually bring it back into the game. So, it's much better to keep things simple and have a very focused purpose for that character, like you were saying, with like this is the two-weapon fighter. Their purpose is
1: to be the two-weapon fighter in the game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, this, I mean, this even goes mechanically, right? Yes. So, like, don't, like, when we make our own characters and campaigns and things like that, we often think of, like, making well-rounded characters, you know, making yeah. them diverse, like, with diverse sets of skills and backgrounds. But don't do that for a one-shot. <laughs> you
0: know, like, <laughs> you only got four hours, it's movie. You're not going to have time to evolve all of that
1: stuff. Right. Let your tank be the tankiest tank possible. Right. Right. But Who's but in a way that's not complicated. Tankiest right? L-
0: tank of the tanks.
1: Right. Captain but Tank. Also, but also in a way, <laughs> God, you're killing me. You want to go? You want to get through this show? I really um, do. <laughs> but you want to do it in a way that um, makes it simple when the player looks at the character, right? Like if you have uh, too many fiddly bits, too many complicated feats or powers or whatever like it's a lot for a player to absorb and the truth of the matter is in a in a four-hour game they're not going to absorb or use most of it so the the more narrow and simple that you keep it the more of the character that will actually get used
0: yes yep
1: cool next one
0: yeah um you want that character to have ties to other characters because, Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So it, just be, because we've done a whole thing on bonds and everything yeah. else recently, like we know we know what the emotional investment is, um, and the connect and the importance of connectivity for a group of characters. So yeah, in that little bit of background you create, put some ties to other characters.
0: Also, it means you can bypass spending a lot of time in your four-hour you know game let's not spend 45 minutes meeting in an inn and finally deciding that we can work together. Let's just get to the monkey. So give oh God. them-
1: Yeah, so don't do that. Give right. them
0: give right. them enough that they are already working together and have relationships so they have some place to start.
1: <laughs> right, for God's sakes, make, make your group already know each Please. other before you start playing. Please. Don't- don't play that out.
0: Oh my god.
1: <laughs> if you are, if you even are going to remotely play that out, only do it with a set of leading questions and do it with an in media res opening where you flash back and ask some questions about how the group formed and then go right back to combat. Yeah,
0: just don't don't let them don't give them the opportunity to lone wolf out of there. Oh, anyway. Correct. That's that's sort of a, a secondary thing, but like as a pre general like, just make them already know each other you're in control of that yep. and then our last point about this which is leave some room for the player to customize that character a little bit right and that means different things for different games so um typically when we talk about something like fate that means okay i've filled out all but one of the aspects and that last aspect is for you to take and like add your spin on this character
1: right or maybe i did your plus four plus three and plus um your plus four and plus three skills cool pick your plus two and plus one skills right or like i've i've niche protected you because i've i've taken care of your four and three but round out your character with some other skills um at the at the end
0: right exactly
1: cool um yeah and the same thing would be true like if you're doing um if you're doing wizards if if you need them to have certain spells put those in but then let them pick other like let them pick other like these are the spells you know detect magic fireball blah 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 and you know three other yeah three um, you get th- first-
0: three other first level spells sure
1: Exactly. Like the thing and the thing about um, the thing about giving room for the um, for the player to make it their own is that emotional investment always goes up when a player uh, takes action for their character, which is why in regular games, players love their characters a whole bunch. And the thing that you're fighting against with pre-gens is that when pre-gens are completely filled out and there's no choices, this is somebody else's character. It doesn't always feel like them. It's like borrowing somebody's coat, right? Like, right. like yes, it's a coat and it's keeping me warm, but it doesn't feel like it does my coat. Yes.
0: Yep. Right. Exactly.
1: So when you right, when you let somebody pick a few things, the non important details, the things that round out the character. It lets them put their spin on the character. So, yes, this is the tankiest tank ever, but I also took some levels of craft.
0: Right. And 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 depending on what it is and how much time you want to spend on it or let them spend on it at the table, you can also do things like have pick lists so mm. you can create your own, right? So you can be like, okay, you're a wizard. You're going to have this spell, this spell, and this spell, and then choose one of these other three spell packages. So you either have this set, Absolutely. this set, or this set, right? So you can still yep. keep things really quick but give them that sense of investment like that they got to make a choice, right?
1: Spot on with the pick lists. Yeah. Good
0: I'm um, turning other games into playbooks. Like, man, just pick lists are...
1: I'm hearing you, man.
0: i <laughs> Like, it's the way to go with pre-gens. Anyway. Anyway, cool. So let's go ahead and jump into our second question. You think we pretty much rounded that one out?
1: Awesome. I think we
0: did. Ding. Ding. <laughs> question one down. Cool. So question number two is from Kevin Brown, who asked, how do you handle being caught flat-footed in a game?
1: Do- so we're just going to assume that this is not <laughs> flat-footed as in surprise and you're about to get backstabbed.
0: Right. We're going we're, we're, we're we're to assume this is... We're not talking about surprise rounds. We're going to talk about actual GM surprise.
1: Yeah. yeah. So uh, GM surprise isn't actually that uncommon. No, um, not at all. It happens quite a bit. It happens um, with with groups of players you don't know, it happens, it happens equally with players that you do know. And the thing is that when it comes to surprise, all surprise means is that something has happened that is beyond our expectations for the game.
0: Right. It just means that it's beyond where we thought the game was going to go or, you know, which means it kind of went outside of what we might've prepared or what we were planning to do. Like it just, we had some thoughts about the direction we expected and it didn't go that way
1: right even us even us improv gms yes. have a idea of where the story is going to go yeah, right yes. like we start off with like some idea like i think the story will be like this tonight so you can totally surprise an improv gm by you know going completely in a way that wasn't expected.
0: Right. Like maybe an improv GM was planning for you to save the Kraken and the next thing they know you're attacking the Kraken with toucans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that
1: I mean that might have happened, happened right? <laughs> you know. <laughs> please please refer to Saskeek episode something something <laughs> something. something. <laughs> All out of bubblegum. Yeah. Okay. Um <laughs> So surprise is going to happen, right? Surprise happens whether you are a prep GM or whether you're an improv GM. So after being surprised, what winds up happening is, I mean, basically you need to figure out what to do next, right? And that means you need a little time to think because you need to basically replan and kind of reset your expectations. That that's That's what gets rid of surprise, right? What gets rid of surprise is resetting and replanning.
0: Yeah, and, and so depending on how big of a surprise it is and how comfortable you are with improvising is going to kind of adjust how much time it's going to take you to reset your expectations. So the thing that we're going to tell you is take the time that you need. It's
1: okay. <sighs> yeah, I mean, if you are a heavy prep not a lot of improv gm and you get seriously thrown like you need time to kind of replan what's happening if you're an improv gm like you might just need a few seconds to kind of you know give yourself you give you give your brain a second to make a few connections and then okay let's roll yeah but what you need to be cognizant of is um that you are better off going slower then feeling pressured and making a rash decision.
0: Right, because when you just jump into something because you just feel like you have to do something right now and that you can't take the time, you may make a decision that will take the game somewhere you might regret later, or it might right. f- take e- things even more off the rails, right? And
1: Right. I mean, it could be the thing like you make a decision and suddenly you've cut off a clue, Right. Or a piece that's needed to get to the end of the game. Right. Um
0: or you've, or, you've changed your plot line and your big bad doesn't make sense anymore. Hello, yeah. I've done that. <laughs>
1: right. Absolutely. Right. So so Oops. those rash <laughs> those rash decisions, right? There's because there's a feeling. I don't want to say it's a feeling. I think there's a belief that a lot of GMs have that I like I call it the radio thing, right? Where where silence is death. Right. Right? Like, where they feel like they can't stop. Right. Like, you must keep this game flowing no matter what. And so, you then, if you are not very skilled at this, or if the change is huge and you can't quite think of what to do, like, you can cause more damage by being rash- then you will by pausing the game.
0: Yeah, there's a weird pressure thing. And and this is funny because I have so much experience with it, especially like on mics, because it gets even worse when you stick a mic in a GM's face. Oh,
1: yeah, because you're watching. (laughs) I'm watching Audacity, like the 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 time rolling.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking about the editing I have to do, but it happens to everybody, even just at the table, because we forget that we can just actually pause the game like, there's no radio silence thing. And when you when you stop to take a breath, it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be like, okay, we're stopping. And then you silently sit there and stare at your notebook or something. It can be like, you know, a like, whoa, that is not what I was expecting. Like, give me a second. And then you're jotting and everybody else is kind of chatting and talking. Like it's not the disaster mm-hmm. that it seems like it might yep, feel. That's like, absolutely. Right
1: that's absolutely a short break, right? Like sometimes, sometimes I just need, like I hear something and I'm like, whoa. And I just like quick take my pencil and jot a few notes on my index card. Like, oh, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And then I'm like, cool, let's jump back into the scene. I have one
0: more comment about short breaks before we move on, which is there's a sneaky, sneaky thing you can do as a GM when something happens that you're like, whoa, but they're all role-playing at the table. (laughs) They're like really into the scene and they're, they're going and going and going. And it's great. You don't have to stop them.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, you can just <laughs> you like, can just silently like let it keep poof, going, jot some notes. That really
0: changed a thing. I'm just going to write a couple of notes down and just let yep. them keep running. And then by the time they turn back to you for some like world input, you've already figured it out again.
1: Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> Um, So that's a short break. Your pause can also be intermediate, right? Like the classic advice that uh, people used to give on this topic years ago was uh, call for a break, run to the bathroom and figure out what to do.
0: Right. I still think that's pretty decent advice.
1: I I think it's decent advice, but I'll say this. Mm. You don't have to run to the bathroom. You don't have to leave. (laughs) You you can just tell the players that they caught you off guard. Yeah, the thing. It is okay. The
0: thing to remember about all of these is frankly like the GM is also a player of this game and you are playing this game together and you don't have to hide this stuff from your players. It doesn't make you a bad GM to need to so- stop and sort things out, right? Right.
1: Right. This is like the other GM fallacy, right? The other GM fallacy is like the GM is all knowing, never surprised and always knows what to do next. Right. Right. The truth is is it's not that. So that idea of like run to the bathroom and think of what to do is more like hide from your players so they don't know that you don't know what to do. Or you can just tell them you don't know what to do. Like, hey, you guys caught me off guard. I need to quick replan a few things. Why don't you guys take a break, run to the bathroom, grab some snacks, and when you get back to the table, I'll have this all sorted out.
0: Yeah, we'll pick up in like 15 minutes and like then I'll have all the stats that I need jotted down again. Yep.
1: Um, If that doesn't work, you can go for something even more uh, lengthy, right? Yep.
0: Yeah. So the the final break type that we will recommend is if this is a campaign or something, you can literally say... um. Wow, I have to go replan everything. Um, why don't we just end the session here for today, and we'll just pick this up next
1: week? I'm going to give an example of this because this actually happened to me. Yeah. So I was, I had, um, had this game, um, D20 modern game back in the 90s. Uh, that was, um, it was my heist campaign. So the characters were all um, thieves, and uh, they were shaking down this other thief. Actually this other thief was shaking them down mm-hmm. but they but they did their homework and like figured out who this guy was that was like he was just called the wolf right and they figured out who he was and I had this meeting with them I had this meeting planned with them they were going to meet they're going to meet at this casino and the wolf was just simply going to offer them a job yeah right like he was just going to be like look you guys are pretty competent. Why don't you just kick me like 10% of your, you know, what you steal and I'll give you some protection. Right. Right. But instead the scene went really bad and the players botched a few roles and they did a couple of really kind of not smart things and they totally spooked the wolf. Like to the point where like the wolf was like, I gotta like fold up shop. Wolf, right?
0: Like really now, spooked him, yeah.
1: Now, right, but the but so the thing I knew about the character, about this NPC was like this NPC NPC had like a big operation going and certainly wouldn't have been careless. Like, to get caught. Right. Right? But I didn't have any of that written down.
0: Right, because why would you need that? He was literally going to go in and offer them a job.
1: Exactly. <laughs> but they instead were like, I think we'll take you down, and we think we know who you are, right? Oh,
0: boy. So
1: <laughs> so I was like, okay. I, like, I stopped the game, and I was like, look, I could fake my way through what the wolf would do next, but I feel like this character is more prepared for what just happened then i'm prepared so i'm just gonna call it come back next week and we're gonna pick it up from right here yeah and i did like everybody left and i like worked out like this elaborate plan that like the wolf knew like if he ever got exposed what to do yeah so he just did that like he made a phone call threw the phone in the garbage can and like vanished and I, long story short, the rest of my campaign became about hunting down the wolf and killing him. Right. But because I stopped the game and did that work. Yeah. The next session was super good.
0: Right. Instead of it kind of being a floppy halfway whatever.
1: Right. It was like, like it was super tight. And it was like really tense. And the players were like running for their lives. It was none of which I could have done. No if I had like, even if I had like stopped and taken a 15 minute break, I would have never gotten all that detail. So it is actually okay, right? So to sum up this, um, one, surprise happens. Two, you do not need to keep it a secret. Yeah. Like it is totally fine telling your players, oh, you totally got me where you guys are going totally where I didn't think so. Give me a second. I'm going to just take a few notes and get us back on track.
0: Yep. And, And the last note being just like, If a second isn't enough, take the time that you need, right?
1: Exactly. And just
0: communicate it. You don't have to hide it. You aren't a bad GM for being surprised. We are all surprised constantly. In fact, the reason that I am an improv GM is because I cannot deal with surprises at all. And so (laughs) the way that I deal with surprises is by just being always surprised.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's. I mean, I I do. I think that's pretty fair, right? Like, I mean, one of the things that I really like about improv GMing when I when I'm doing like improv GMing is that I really like not knowing where the story's going and having to try to keep up with it. Yeah, I don't do that for every game I run, but um, I do it for the majority of games that I run. And yeah, like it. It. So the other, I guess, the last part of this is. Improving, which is usually the thing you do to cope when you're surprised, right? Is to improv. Yep. Uh, improving is a skill. Yep. Uh, improving is a thing you can learn. Yep. And we, we talk about this all the time on the show. It's yep. a thing you can learn. We, it's a thing you can improve.
0: We've done an actual show on it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So when you you take what time you need and more experienced improv GMs, that time is little. And uh, less, imp- le- less experienced improv GMs, that time will be longer. But you just take what you need.
0: I'm going to tack one more thing onto this, Go ahead. which is that it may also depend on what kind of game you're running, how much time you need to figure it out, because in something like a heist, your NPC would be that planned and that prepared, and you have to actually take time to sort all those details out. But yes. if you and so and some something like a heist like that, um, that's very mechanical um, and not just a flashbacky, you know, one last job kind of thing, um, something like a mystery where like your decisions in that moment are going to have repercussions about what clues they can find, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like those kind of things where you have a web of intrigue, like that kind of stuff is really hard to really quickly improvise, but things that are a little bit more just like you know, I have a bad guy and they have a purpose. And so I just kind of know what they would do to do that purpose. Like, okay, sure.
1: Right. They get the MacGuffin. Yeah. You know. Like those kind of Stop things are a lot rit- easier. Stop the ritual. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, I mean, so,
0: so, so I will also say it depends on your comfort level. It depends on what kind of game you're running. It depends on how mechanically intense that game is. There's a whole bunch of things. So take whatever time is required to make you comfortable based on all of the variables that could be involved in your particular game.
1: Alrighty then. So there's our two topics. I think we did a nice job on those. Added uh, some. I think they were a little more in depth than I thought they were going to be, but that's totally fine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, we we fleshed them out a bit more. Which caught me. Which
1: caught me a little off guard. Okay. So let me let me pause. <laughs> yeah. Let me pause and re, uh, recover while you tell us about another show on the Misdirected Mark Network.
0: Sure. On down with D and D. Chris and the Mad Wizard Sean Merwin dish about everything D and D with a focus on the brand and newest edition of the world's Most popular tabletop RPG.
1: Awesome. Awesome indeed. Say, Senda, where do people reach us on the internet?
0: Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pandas talk games. You can find us in the misdirected mark forums, where we are continuing to run the contest for the first hundred people to join the forums. You will be entered to win either a bagthulu or a ba- made by moi. She's a super geek bag. There are only four of them in existence right now. And you would have the fifth. They're magic. Anyway. i possession
1: of one of the four. I know you
0: are. I know who has each of them. Or you can drop us an email panda at misdirectedmark.com. And Phil, once they have us at one of those places, what can they do with that information?
1: Hey, just like Kevin Brown and Mo, the tabletop bellhop, you can give us topics. Man, we love topics. Um, topics I- I mean, look, are delicious. Listen, no kidding. Topics are our bamboo. Right? Like you are essentially feeding us bamboo by giving us topics. No kidding. We almost never come up with our own topics on the show. I think if you've listened to the show, you know that. We love talking about the things that you want to hear us talk about. Um, otherwise, we'll sit around and talk about pop culture and ditch lilies all day. But uh, I like and it when we have a gaming thing to do pockets so,
0: and sweaters.
1: Yeah. So um, by all means, please hit us up on Twitter, send us emails, go to the forums. Forums and drop them there like whatever find me like find Senda, whatever if you if it somehow gets around to us it'll get onto the big topic list that's where i pull the topics for uh upcoming shows if you like what we do here or elsewhere on the mistracted mark network please consider backing our patreon campaign go to patreon.com mmp uh patrons get all sorts of good things um they have the bonus outtakes from this show they get the after show from Mr. Ectomark access to our Slack room for life. Come hang out with us on our Minecraft server. If you like a little block therapy, there are occasional things we give away. Like when encoded is making stuff, we like to give that stuff away. Uh, when encoded is play testing stuff. Uh, we, t- we tend to go to our Slack community first to find some play testers. Plus you can just kind of, you know, hang out and get to know us. Your patronage is much loved um, and much needed to keep the lights on here at Misdirected Mark Uh, from everything from servers and microphones and all that stuff. uh, It does make a big difference to all of us. So thank you very much. Uh, And we also like to shout out to a couple of our patrons uh, every episode who send are we shouting out to today? Yeah.
0: GM gerrymander, Lord of the after show. Indeed. Thanks, Jerry. Evil Rich. Thank you, Evil Rich. And Jen Pixelscapes. Ganj. Thank you, Jen.
1: Indeed. There is one more thing you can do if you are already supporting the Patreon campaign or unable to support the Patreon campaign. We totally understand. There's the thing that you do. It's not as good as giving us topics because we love topics so much like bamboo, but it is a close second. It's like. It's as fun as rolling down a hill. Um, And uh, very soon, it'll be its own app in the Mac OS.
0: Oh, we're not going to talk about that.
1: What is it, Senda?
0: (laughs) Well, you could leave us a rating, a review on Apple Podcasts or the Podcatcher of your choice. Every new review we get really does actually help new people find the show and, like, you know, listen to us, which is cool. It's basically like recommending us to a friend, except that you recommend us to, like, all the people that you don't know. So that's cool. Anyway, uh, it makes us super happy. And thank you so much to everyone that already has left a review. If you leave us a review and it's not on the US Apple Podcast Store, darn, these things are hard to track down. So please let us know so that we know and get artistic validation from it. It's exciting. Anyway, fantastic. So say, Phil, show me how you are going to make your next set of pre-gens.
1: I mean, first, yeah, what exactly what? Yeah,
0: right? This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. me what you got, Show me what you got, Show me what you got, Show
1: me what you got, Show me what you got, me what you got, Clicky, 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 clicky. Bloop. Hey, I can see you. Hey, I can I can see you. Oh, this it is, must be, This is new and unusual. It must be by visibility day. What?
0: <laughs> the, the one day a year we can
1: see each other. Ta-da.
0: Wow. Hey, you're pretty handsome.
1: Oh, oh I'm blushing. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Well, very nice looking yourself.
0: I feel like it'd be great if we saw each other the rest of the year, too.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why we can't see each other the rest of the year. But anyway, it is a happy buy visibility day. It's a week late, so we're recording on the 23rd, which is buy visibility day. Yes. Um, So for all of you, uh, for all of you buy folks out there, uh, happy buy visibility day. Um, Way long ago, that was actually the label I used for myself.
0: Yeah. I use that for a long time. Sometimes I still do, but, like, because I use buy and pan reasonably interchangeably sometimes. So, like, okay.
1: I've just moved to the umbrella term queer. Queer.
0: (laughs) Yeah. When Usually when I put things in bios and stuff, I'm just like, queer. Yeah. That just makes it easier.
1: It's easier um because... I don't know. I'd have to explain it more maybe.
0: It's like I know like it just gets complicated.
1: Uh it's another um momentous occasion.
0: Yeah. Um, it's Schmitty's birthday and we're wishing is. We're wishing them a happy birthday exactly one week
1: late. I don't know what 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 is Schmitty, 20 something like I so don't I'm, know I'm, some pst-
0: tiny baby. Right. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: I I I'm, I'm not nineties I'm
0: baby is the answer nineties baby I'm
1: still twenty years older than Schmidty right like even if Schmidty's had a birthday it's, I'm still twenty <laughs> years older than Schmidty Schmidt
0: thinks of the nineties the way that I think of the eighties and it freaks me out
1: <laughs> it freaks you out it freaks I know. me out <laughs>
0: I know but I still like even me I'm like oh the nineties you know like ten years ago
1: every I, you know what I do that I I still do that right oh the nineties ten years ago me too. <laughs> Alrighty, cool. Do you want to do a show?
0: Yeah, I guess we should do a show. It's like late. We like didn't. We didn't like. No,
1: we're fine. We're right on schedule. Let's let's rock and roll. Ready? Okay,
0: okay, well... okay. We didn't talk about sweaters.
1: Yeah, but we have that. Like we got <laughs> stuff to talk about next week.
0: I mean, okay, patriarchy sweaters can can be a conversation
1: whenever. Oh, although I will tell you that I as a as a tease for next week. Um, we will be talking about Mikey, the life cereal kid.
0: Okay. And if that doesn't
1: make any sense to you, doesn't don't, make
0: any sense to me. me and we're
1: definitely going to be talking about <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> and I'm going to be talking about how my sweaters are cotton, and it makes me sad. Good.
1: Alrighty, I'm going to meow now.
0: Okay. Meow.
1: Bloop. Bum, bum.
0: Du, do do,
1: do, do too too doo. We're going to have to do a slow one one day, like <laughs> bum, bum. <laughs>
0: You know you utterly defeated the purpose of doing it fast this time.
1: I know, right? <laughs> just as if I was dragging it the way. It's like thing you're out. just
0: like, nah, we just want Zenda to edit as long as possible.
1: Are you ready? Yep.
0: Bloop. We are assuming when oh boy. Damn
1: it. Okay. Leaves are <laughs> getting ready to fall off of trees Fucking and allergies are coming back.
0: Trees dying shit. Bloop. Well, you can find us on Twitter at... Pad Wow. Hey, let me try that again because I just about said you can find us on Twitter at patreon.com. does <laughs> this, this not... It's not... Oh, he's giving me the look that says, why are you flopping around what and happened? flailing in the middle of the ecke? Okay. Trying again. Bloop.
1: And then from there, I'll start working on, uh, you know, how to fit, like, what they should all be doing uh, in the course of the uh, adventure. And then uh, I'm definitely going to want them to have some connectivity and a little background. Show me what you got. Show me what you got. Show me, <laughs> Show me what you
0: got. I was going to say, so Lily is the singer and <laughs> Megan is the drummer. Michelle plays bass. <laughs>
1: No, Michelle doesn't play Oh, Michelle
0: bass. plays guitar, and Ashley plays bass. So, I mean, I figure... I can't believe
1: you got that wrong. You might have to... Yikes. I'm not going to tell, tell, tell anyone. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody.
0: It's okay. It's because I've been listening to a lot of Definitely Leopard lately.
1: Um, oh. I can't I just... believe you... I I don't know how you can listen to them.
0: Really? I mean,
1: like, like, two good hits. I mean, like the they're a little it's...
0: dated, but, like, I don't know. I thought they were pretty good. <laughs> I, I mean, was they're
1: thinking no, I they're was, no ditch lilies. Just I mean,
0: saying. I guess they're not the ditch lilies. I was thinking like I was thinking about dressing up as Jennifer for Halloween, though.
1: Interesting.
0: Like, I'm a I'm I'm a fan of her. Just a, I don't know. She just she had the ears and the little skirt thing going on. I think it was cute. It's kind of it's kind of retro now, because it's nineties and apparently nineties is retro according to the signs. For used clothing pop-up stores that come up around Denver, I'm like, retro?
1: <laughs> sure. Retro is a, a strong word.
0: Retro is a strong word.
1: Hey, we're at 42 minutes. Yeah, we should stop now. Which is like the perfect time to stop the show and uh, for you to edit without crying.
0: Uh, I mean, what's a little editing without some tears?
1: There you go. They inspire everyone to do their own (laughs) podcast now. All right. Say goodbye to everybody. Bye. Bye. Mm, Stop.